getting more and more comfortable in being in that space between asking a question and, and feeling and hearing the answer. If you can just be in that and you don't have to ask questions with words. You're just interested. You're just curious. It is the most valuable thing. Welcome to Meditationable, the show where you'll hear stories of experts in the fields of meditation, well-being, and more. This is your host, Anto. Today on the show, yoga teacher and business owner, Ava Irani. Hello, Ava. I'm super excited to talk to you today. It's my pleasure to be here, Anto. So nice to see you again. I have a lot of things that I want to talk about, but first, I would like you to introduce yourself to the world and and tell us a little about what you do. Um, so, of course, that's a big question, um, but I will summarize it for you. Um, I am a Canadian-born, uh, living in Australia, yoga teacher and business owner. I run a yoga school in Western Australia, in Fremantle, um, which I opened back in 2016. And right now I have, you know, pen, it's been inspired by the pandemic or pushed along by the pandemic, but I've opened up an online school as well. And in this online school, I consolidate all my learnings and interests in the field of functional spirituality. So the school is called functional spirituality. Um, so yeah, I guess, you know, People say, oh, you know, you're not really a yoga teacher, but yeah, it's hard to really define what I actually do. I, I usually just say I'm a yoga teacher and, and business owner, um, but I'm sure a lot more of the nuances of that, you know, we're going to unpack in our conversation. Yes. So first of all, could you tell us what functional spirituality means? Yeah. I mean, I guess I usually define functional as when your approach matches up with your intentions. So it it's not any one thing. It's actually more of an approach. And the approach starts with actually finding out, at least from where you're sitting right now, what do you want? There are so many things that are kind of um, pulled together in the name of spirituality. Um, that are actually sometimes distinct or contradictory things. So then you're having approaches that are basically based on, you know, whatever marketing appeals to you. And I mean, this is how spirituality has always been. Um, it's always been a way of marketing and, and trying to sell something, um, which is a whole nother story. Um, but yeah, functional spirituality means that your approach, what you actually do, your practices, the philosophies, the teachers, how you're, how you're moving along the path, what meditation you do, if you do yoga, if you do movement, it actually matches up with what you really want. And also what you really want, your intention, your why, that also should continuously change and refine as you deepen and grow and refine and change and develop. So, you know, our why is, if you can really find out why, what is your 
motivation right now for being interested in this conversation or being interested in whatever spirituality or um, practices you're doing. If you find out why it becomes more sustainable because there's a deeper drive towards it, um, but it also becomes more relevant and meaningful for you, which is of course all we could ever want is for it to be meaningful, relevant and transformative for us. Um, so with how complex the world is and how complex we are and how complex the fields of development and spirituality and all of that are, it's super important to have that functional approach, which means um, a little bit more of a depth approach <laughs> in a nutshell. Yeah, no, definitely. And how would you, in your own words, describe meditation and what that means to you? Yeah, I like how you pose that question because, again, meditation means so many different things. It means things that totally contradict each other for different people. Um, and they're all valid um, if they are valid for, for those individuals. But for me, meditation is a quiet time to digest our lives. Um, but, you know, with the whole functional spirituality, as you know, um, and with meditation, I consider that there are three, three um, intentions or three things that we can get from our meditation practice. And for me, meditation is all three, but in any one time, I might just focus more on one, um, depending on what I need and what I want and how I feel. So meditation is a healing practice. So it's a way of digesting the um, suffering that we experience from having ourselves being fragmented and, um, you know, having different traumas and conditionings that hold us back from being present in the moment. So parts of us that are kind of stuck in the past. So meditation is a healing practice for that helps us to melt those tensions and reintegrate ourselves. Um, and secondly, meditation is a cultivating practice. So it helps us to be inspired and connected to beautiful emotions and energies like gratitude. Um, it helps us to feel more connected to life, the present moment. So you can focus on that in particular, um, or it might just be an effect that comes in. And then finally, meditation for me is a opportunity for recognizing my essential self and the essential parts of my experience, which are awareness and being and existence. And that is also, you know, that there's a whole series of techniques that come into that category of that awakening to awareness and, and being part. So those three different things that meditation are for me, they're kind of distinct, but they, in any meditation I do, it has elements of all of them because I've spent so long training in, in each one. However, you know, for beginners, I kind of recommend to, um, I guess, first understand what those different parts are and, and to um, practice them separately first, and then also practice them all together. Why is it so important nowadays to cultivate this kind of practice and to be more present in our day-to-day -day lives because 
life right now is so hectic and we're constantly running from place to place trying to be productive why is resting so important um you know when you ask that question i kind of just naturally smile and feel what it's pointing to like why is it so important to be present because it's what we truly desire more than anything in our whole experience is to be alive and to be connected, which is the same as being present. While we're so cut off from that, it's hard to even want that or experience how sweet that can be. Um, but we might know that on an intellectual level, that balance is great. And, you know, when we're starting our practice, we kind of like, yes, I want to be balanced. I want to be present. And it's still because of the rat race. It's because we want to get ahead. But then as we kind of start the path and deepen our practice, that intention refines a little bit and we want to be peaceful and present not to get ahead. In fact, we start to undo that a little bit and we want to be peaceful and present because we actually start to taste that ecstasy, you know, without being kind of like too poetic and, and setting up, you know, that whole enlightenment um, bullshit. Um, you know, we want to feel the, the bliss of being present and alive. And it's just a subtle, a subtle missing piece that we've been missing to just be in the moment. Yeah. It's like the way that we show up to the world. Sometimes when we face a hard situation or a hard emotion and we still have all of this residue from the past and it just gets in the way of of the way we react or what we say and we don't fully analyze the situation based on what's present on that moment but rather we base it off like fears from the past or trauma from the past so having those mo moments of like stillness and pause can make us focus on what's going on in that moment and not being like tainted i don't know if that's the right word but tainted by by your past yeah absolutely that's such a great way of putting it um and yeah those residues from the past they actually narrow our capacity to meet the next moment which means that there's going to be more residues and it's like a it keeps setting us up for failure in some ways of not being able to meet the moments with presence and curiosity and that space to be like, what's happening now? And what do I actually, how would I like to respond? And the whole, you know, a big piece of the suffering that we experience is that our conscious intentions, how we would like to respond, how we would like to be our, our aspirations that we consciously have don't actually match up with our behaviors. So our body, you know, we want to be healthy, but the body presents, you know, with different kinds of conditions or we want to be happy, but our body presents us with emotions and suffering and moods. And so not having that, having all of that baggage and residue and not having space to clear it or understandings and philosophy about how to really clear those things um, actually just, keeps narrowing our capacity to, to live freely um, more and more with every challenge that we meet, um, where the opposite would be like a positive cycle with, with each challenge we meet, we overcome it and we expand our capacity to be present. 
so that the next challenge, it's actually, you know, it burns clean and doesn't leave that kind of residue. Um, but one of the most difficult things that I've seen, which kind of comes back to your question about why functional spirituality is that there are so many healing modalities out there. There's so many meditation styles. There's so much religion. There's so much spirituality. There's so much esotericism and new age spirituality. And there's just so many healing modalities. And most of them are barely effective at all beyond a placebo effect. And placebo effects we know are amazing, but it's an effect. It doesn't provide a lasting change and a lasting transformation, you know, that is coherent inside of the entire person. So yes, if you, you know, do kind of like hyperventilations, you know, breath, strong breath works or plant medicines. And like, there are so many things and they, they do, you know, and so many even types of psychotherapy and psychology and philosophy and spirituality. And there's so many systems out there. And you know, again, you can't say if something is good or bad without really unpacking it, who's it for and what is the intention and, and really finding out those motivations. Um, because, you know, if something does provide a placebo effect, it, it opens up that space for you to be more present, at least at that time, and maybe have a chance to use other things to help you move forward. Um, but otherwise, it's kind of setting up a it's setting up a cycle of distractions. And I've just seen that so much. I've experienced it myself. And I've also had the kind of bitch slap of, wow, you've been doing so much work on yourself and it actually hasn't transformed you. Um, and we experience that all the time with our spiritual practice and our healing practices and our medical practices all the time that, we do work and it doesn't transform us and no one speaks to that and no one understands that. So it's just this kind of widely accepted thing that, yeah, I don't know why I'm not changing. And every once in a while we might have a breakdown and be like, why isn't this getting better? Why haven't I made this shift? Um, but if you actually fully apply yourself to something, you better see trans transformation. And you better see the results that you wanted when you chose that approach. But we, you know, the approaches that we take, the healing approaches we take do not require us to even investigate our why. So you're just, you know, you're working on the surface then. How could we choose a path that is right for us and will help us move forward? I think that question itself is like the center of the practice in some ways so getting better at choosing paths is i think as important if not more important than getting really good at any one individual path um, if you take longer at investigating and contemplating before jumping into the next shiny thing, um, you will probably get better results. Um, but yeah, like we spoke about at the beginning about getting 
better at connecting to yourself and your why. Um, yeah, what do you what do you want actually? What do you want right now? And it's not what do you want from your spiritual practice forever. We feel so scared and embarrassed that we actually need to ask ourselves, what do I want? Why am I doing this meditation today? Because we think that we should have, have we should have it all figured out. But it's so important that we do continuously question, right? Like that's why the medical industry and, you know, the government and all of these, you know, big institutions in our, in our world are so problematic is because they don't ask why, because they're embarrassed that they're on, they've, they've chosen a path, they're moving along it and they better see it out till the end or forever more, lest they ever ask why now? Now, as we've moved along it, why now are we doing it this way? But they kind of refuse to do that and it gets, um, you know, stagnant and totally unfunctional and irrelevant. Um, but it's got that kind of force behind it. It's really hard to change, you know, those perspectives. So we need to get better at a different approach of being more curious and asking why. I think to answer your question, I think the answer is curiosity. Curiosity, developing that not only will help you choose the right path um, next, at least, because you know, you're gonna keep course correcting as you go, um, but curiosity is also the greatest actual method that I've ever found. And it's scary, right? It's it's like, I think one of the reasons why people are not as curious, it's because maybe they don't want to know what they don't know. Maybe they're too scared of just trying to figure out what they're thinking or just being by themselves and questioning themselves. Yeah, that is so spot on. Um, like, that, that is this... <laughs> That is the scariest thing is not knowing. And that's so true because in order for you to be curious, you have to sit in the unknown. You have to sit in a, the deeper you can sit in a embodiment of, I don't really know. So then I'm going to be curious. Um, the more curious you can be, the more present you can be, the bigger growth you're going to have. But It also makes sense. Like you said, it's scary. It makes sense that we don't want to do scary things without really knowing if they're going to work or what the benefit is of it. But if you really know that getting more and more comfortable and being in that space between asking a question and, and feeling and hearing the answer, if you can just be in that and you don't have to ask questions with words, you're just interested. You're just curious. And then being in that space afterwards getting comfortable in that space, that is one of the most valuable things we can do. So it teaches us curiosity um, and curiosity will undo your suffering and will undo, um, you know, suffering on all levels for our individual and, and for our collective. So in terms of ending our suffering, I am wondering because sometimes like, Is suffering necessary in in life? Because, you know, like in terms of emotions, we have 
pain, we have sorrow, we have love. Is suffering something that's meant to be felt? I think, you know, if we just define the difference between pain and suffering, um, you know, pain is inevitable. Pain is valuable. Pain is, um, you know, a healthy part of the way we function. It helps us to move away from things that are not valuable, you know, for our growth. Um, and, you know, pain, there's physical pain, emotional pain, they all serve, um, you know, very healthy functioning. But if we want to distinguish suffering as losing our freedom and being caught in residues of the past um, or in anything like, you know, I actually define suffering as unnecessary pain. So how should we approach pain differently than suffering? I think, um, I don't know, it might be different for different people, but I feel like with pain, we, you know, with physical pain, there's an understanding there. You can kind of see the cause. I mean, there is, of course, also chronic pain, which starts to bleed into this area of suffering. Um, I think, you know, it's, this is the, this is the topic and the area of healing and deconditioning. And it's, and it's a huge topic. Um, but I think that, you know, there are, there are a few things at least that I can share that would be really helpful. One of them is to have the curiosity if we're experiencing psychological and emotional pain. Um, and that's how you support yourself through it. So having curiosity and patience and acceptance. Um, also on a more circumstantial level is to prioritize making space in your life to digest that pain and to be curious about it. Um, and then the other layer is to actually seek support and help for it. Um, because yes, curiosity is the, is the one thing that, you know, is always going to be needed. Um, but you can find and discover deeper layers of curiosity by doing different things. And so seeking support and help and getting people to help hold curious spaces for you, for you to explore um, and also, you know, seeking that kind of education about what it means to be curious and what it means to feel suffering and, and how to overcome it. All of these things start to stoke that fire of, of curiosity because we get more interested in it. Um, so I think definitely getting outside support for pain um, that we experience and learning a little bit more about it. And then, of course, curiosity, patience, love, having more gentleness. Like these are not just helpful things. They're actually at the center of our healing approach. In the past few months, I've been trying to be more gentle with myself. And I've realized how it's really hard for us to be gentle with ourselves and to seek help. We think we have everything under control. We think um, we can manage it. But in reality, sometimes we just, we're so like 
drowning in our own world that we forget that there are so many people willing to help and they're there for us. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that just holding, because, you know, you don't want to be hard on yourself for being hard on yourself and you don't want to be hard on yourself for not being gentle on yourself. So I think, again, like I always use the the words, the long game, just holding that intention, holding the intention to be more curious, holding the intention to be more patient, more gentle, to seek support. If you hold that intention slowly, slowly, you will find spaces where you can start to incorporate that. Um, and that's a more sustainable approach than forcing yourself and disciplining yourself to be more gentle or be more curious or ask for help. Um, so can, I mean, if you're upset that you haven't done it, it's just a sign that it is something valuable to you and you just keep holding that intention to, to do these great things for yourself, um, and letting them slowly incorporate over time. Um, and then, you know, the other way is to just keep getting inspired. So keep listening like to this podcast, keep <clears throat> listening to people talk about the importance of these things that you want to incorporate will inspire you and motivate you and start to turn your attention to it more and more to incorporate it. Yeah. It's like self-forgiveness as well. I need to constantly remind myself that we're always doing Definitely. our best with a level of consciousness and the level of understanding that we have. So sometimes we're so harsh on ourselves and on our past selves and on the things that we did and we need to remember that we were just trying our best. And and what you're saying is really true, just holding that intention, just putting yourself out there, even though you're not given instant reward or instant acknowledgement, just putting yourself out there into the world and setting that intention. I think that's so powerful and it'll eventually work out and you'll eventually end up where you need to be. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's the, I think that's a, a huge part of the approach is to understand that, you know, progress isn't linear for this because it's complicated and to not be looking for instant rewards um, and to be interested in, in the long game and the most sustainable, most transformative effects that you can get and the results that you can get and yeah, that means that you're just willing, like you're willing to be on the path. And it, it's hard for people because a big part of these conditionings and, and suffering is a lack of trust, is a lack of hope and a lack of faith. But that's what we need to cultivate at the same time, slowly, slowly to, to help us see this as an amazing, interesting and, and worthwhile path of putting our kind of attention on. How has yoga personally helped you in your healing process? Yeah, I mean, the body and the mind are actually the same thing. They're just the nervous system. They're just, you know, they're, they're a product of the exact same system. Um, so yeah, of course, they're, they're not really even connected. They're just, the, they're the same. Um, but they're different layers of the same thing. So they, they you know, appear differently. 
Um, yeah, I've practiced a lot of different types of yoga, um, but the type of yoga that I practice now, um, this kind of functional flow that we do, like it's so important to have a practice that brings a therapeutic effect to the physical body. So that's of course so nice and, and good to have a practice that builds strength and brings flexibility and, you know, improves things on a physical level. But in terms of like having a meditative practice as well, that helps with healing. Um, I, I don't think it's yoga itself that actually does anything. It's the approach that we take to yoga. So an approach that is curious, slow, meditative, um, trying to cultivate a sense of being embodied and also exploring sensations, especially the joy of stretching. Um, so having an approach to yoga, it's not even yoga anymore. It's just kind of moving your body and maybe you're in a guided group practice or maybe you're in a guided home practice or maybe you're just in your own free flow home practice. Um, whether it's yoga or not doesn't really matter for me anymore. Um, like for me right now, yoga is so connected to and related to free movement. I don't actually even know the difference, um, but it is definitely nice to be guided by a group and, and by a teacher and, and guided into postures. Um, but even that I kind of question nowadays about a lot of things that are practiced in, in yoga studios and yoga classes are not really functional movements and they're actually movements that, you know, if you repeat them enough, you'll get injured. So those things I also question, but you know, when you find a good yoga studio and a good yoga teacher, and it feels nice to be in the practice and you're not just waiting for the end, um, then, you know, you found a practice that's kind of functional and therapeutic um, because it feels nice as you go. And you're not just, you know, following these instructions and putting yourself into postures until, you know, thank God it's, it's over. So yeah, yoga is a, a very interesting one, but yeah, it falls into the bottom up approaches of moving in a curious and meditative way, um, as a way of exploring and providing a little bit of space to enjoy yourself, to connect to yourself, to listen to yourself then it's like the perfect healing practice. And the last question I have is, what advice would you give people that want to try out meditation or are curious about yoga, meditation and spirituality? I feel like it is really important to have guidance and to have support, um, just like anything that you might be trying to teach for yourself. Um, like I tried to, I picked up um, a drum a few months ago and I've always wanted to play the drum and, you know, I haven't actually, I think many years ago I looked at, at lessons for drumming, um, but right now I'm just playing with it and I am absolutely not progressing, but I'm just playing with it and it's, and it's fun. Um, so yeah, I mean, I'm not consistent. If I was better at it, if I had lessons, I would practice more consistently as well. Um, because I'd be seeing more progress. So yeah, it's, it's important to experiment on your own and it's important to have guidance, 
but if you had to choose between the two i would choose you know having some some good guidance there um yeah and i mean there are so many more resources depending on what people are actually interested on if it's more about yoga or more about um meditation or spirituality so another thing you could do is just reach out to me in one of our um online platforms and i can actually or or one of my team can actually send you different resources because there's so much free information out there right now um so yeah having someone to even just point you to those is is super helpful i think Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Meditationable. For more wisdom, visit at Meditationable on Instagram.